The Medicare annual election period deadline is coming soon. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who found the key to the right coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online. I took my time and found the best Medicare Advantage plan for me at MyHealthPolicy.com. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plan, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com. And finally, Michael. I prefer face-to-face, so I chose MyHealthPolicy.com and enrolled on the spot. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. MyHealthPolicy.com. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call. Welcome. Thank you for joining us today. You're listening to Society Bites Radio, and I'm your host, Dr. Richard Himmer. And I'm Sherry Himmer, and this is Authentically You, social interaction for the mind and soul. So for the next 25 minutes, we're going to talk about healing and growth from the inside out. Remember, you are 100% responsible for your happiness, joy, and well-being. So, Sherry, it's good to see you again. It's been a while. You've been gone. Yeah. You're still sweating from Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what, what we were working on again last night, and this is what I want to share with, with the audience today. What you're going to hear today and, and over the next couple of segments really is a visual presentation. So we're going to have to do our best to be very... We'll try um, to describe. Yeah, to be very descriptive details. of what's going on. We're going to talk about personality versus traits and behaviors. And there seems to be a bit of a misunderstanding. You know, we use that word personality all the time to say, well, it's just their personality. Right. This is who they are. And um, or personality conflicts as a way to kind of think like, mm, can't grow away from this. It's kind of a fixed. We get stuck with using personalities like a fixed mindset um, place to go. So just uh, curious that you had mentioned that last week, earlier this week, I was working with a client and the comment was made, that's just the way I am. Right. And so I I addressed that. So I've been thinking about this for some time. So, you know, I have this models and definitions book. I'm up to eight pages of definitions just for clarity here. Just different terms that you use to help instruct clients. Well, years ago, I became very frustrated. I was sitting in an audience And I realized the speaker was using words that the speaker thought he or she was familiar with, but they clearly weren't the same thing to me. And as I inquired with different audience participants, I realized everybody understood that specific topic differently. So there was no clarity. We didn't have, um, we didn't drive down on the me. So everyone understood the presentation from a different perspective. I'm not saying that these definitions are the only way it can be. I'm saying within the realm of healing, within the realm of the work that I do, um, this is what they mean. So here's here's what um, my definition of the term I don't know. It came up because I know people who use the term I don't know for everything. Like 
like I don't know that kind of like if somebody says anything I would argue you know, I don't know I would argue that it's not a personality it's a an addictive trait to hide behind an underground truth that you do know that you're not willing to address today in the next segments we're going to talk a lot about these traits and behaviors that we do that some people will argue that's just the way I am that's also a way to hide behind the fact so a, a quick story I was doing a debrief with uh, like a lieutenant um, in another precinct up in the Seattle area. And we were talking about the term empathy. And empathy, as he understood it, is not the same as empathy used inside of um, psychology. So the actual definition of empathy, not Webster's, because Webster's is very, very confusing. Empathy means to understand the perspective of another human being through their eyes. So there's no bias from your perspective. Which you, means you don't have to have had the very same experience. And you don't try to walk in their shoes. The minute I try to walk in your shoes to empathize with you, I bias the story through my filter. What's happened to me in my life? I'm suggesting that's not healthy. Right. So, And he was saying, well, and I don't think that it's healthy for an officer to be empathetic. Um, because we can't be empathetic. We don't know what they're going through. And I said, well, that's the interesting thing is we were also talking about being authentic in the way you treat people. The challenge he had was that he felt, he felt that he had to get in their shoes and walk a mile. And that's not what we're getting at. When I explained that authenticity has nothing to do with, because he wanted to say, well, I'm just my authentic self. I'm being hard, hard nosed on these guys and I'm telling them what to do. No, that's not your authentic self. That's not your best self. Would you do that with your child if your child acted out? He goes, well, no. He said, your best self, your authentic self is your best self. When you're your best self, you're empathetic. It means you know what they're going through through their eyes. And the only way you can know what they're going through through their eyes is to ask them. Find out. Don't get in their shoes. Just find out what's happening in their life. And that, that light started coming on. He says, so what you're saying is that I don't have to live in their shoes. I don't have to agree with them. Right. I said, you nailed it. You don't have to agree with someone to understand someone. And in the in documentary, and this is going back maybe a, a, some time ago, in the documentary in utero, one of the scientists at the end of the story said, when a baby is loved, I'm sorry, when, when a baby, baby is, is understood, understood, a baby is loved. You see, one of the, the things in life is that we're hardwired to connect. The, the drive for even the most um, isolated type of a mindset, they still want to connect. Let's go let's start from there. So we're going to have our personalities and we're going to have our traits and our, our uh, behaviors. They're different. One does not necessarily drive the other. So we're going to start with the following. Why do we act the way we do? So let's We've start. We've asked this question many times. <laughs> Try to understand it, right? So one of the things that um, I was dealing with a client yesterday, he was putting to a list together about the, the potential bride he wants to have someday. So he's at a position in his life. He's saying, okay, I'm, I'm ready. I would like he's, to get married. He's thinking about marriage and what right. that would mean. Yeah, what, he, he's, what He's defining the relationship he wants in marriage. That is correct. He's, a, um, he's got a career going on, and so he's ready to go. He's, he's financially in a position he can do that. And as he was giving me his list, he says, I want her to be an extrovert. And so I'm listening. And then I said, well, what's that mean to you? So we started going down this pathway. 
An extrovert is personality. An introvert is personality. So you and I are different in this story, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. You're somewhat of an extrovert and I'm much more of an introvert. And most people think it's reversed. Right. Because of who does the most talking. No, no, <laughs> that was a low blow. <laughs> <laughs> well, because they see, well, he's always the one in front doing all the talking. Because they see me in a presentation. Right, right. So they see you in a certain mode, not knowing what extrovert and introvert could really is supposed to talk about where you get your energy from yeah. about being with people. So it's always been challenging for me to go to church, for example. It's been challenging for me to go to social scenario, even a Larger public groups. dinner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it's challenging for me to go into lar to a venues where there's a lot of people colliding. Now, what I've learned to do I is like that colliding. Yeah, how <laughs> to go into a venue where there's a lot of people colliding. That's a critical venue for what I do. I enjoy I, I love airports. I love baseball games, basketball games. Now there's tons of people, but we're colliding differently there than mm -hmm. we collide in, say, a church or in a, um, an organizational venue mm -hmm. where we're to meet a lot of different people. Um, so what happens in this, in a personality, an introvert is someone who's going to recharge, rejuvenate either by him or herself, or like when you and I just chat, I'm rejuvenating. When I talk to one person, right. I can rejuvenate. Smaller groups. But yet, someone like yourself, what's it like for you to go into a large group? Um, it's warm. It's, um, it's exciting. It, yeah, it's no, a good, it's a positive excitement. Um, I'm curious. That's just weird, you know? I know, I'm just <laughs> weird. Um, I, I can act and be myself easily. In the best, in, in a better way, I think. Not my best yeah. way, but just like it's, I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It feels very natural. Okay, so this this client of mine says, yeah, I just went to this. It was some sort of a 4th of July celebration. And there's like 150 people there. He said, I had spoken to over 50 people by the time I left. Mm -hmm. I was rejuvenated. I was on cloud nine. I loved that experience. Yeah. And I'm thinking, whoa. Yeah. How does one do that? That would be pretty tough for me. I'd be exhausted. Now, I went to a, a party Sunday night while you were in Virginia. You did? Oh, well, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thank you for the condescending attitude. <laughs> um, so remember, I was supposed to, uh, you called and said, I can't talk yeah. right now. Yeah. And two and a half later, you were already in bed because that's East Coast time. Right. Well, I didn't see me staying there for two and a half hours. You were there so. that long. Yeah. Yeah, was, usually, so for you, usually those big social events where you have to go and be nice and no, not that you can't be nice, but like where you have to go and be around a lot of people and you're not, or you're not sure how many people are going to be there. You budget yourself. I'll go in for 15 minutes. Right, That's right. usually your MO. That's correct. And I had done that with Sam because Sam went early. We were in my office for a group. We were, we were um, studying emotional intelligence with his friends. Uh -huh. I have this class I teach their friends. Um, and so he went with a friend there and he said, I'll meet you there, Dad. And I said, I only plan on being there for 15 minutes to say hello. Right. Um, I know that uh, that there's going to be good food, so I'll enjoy the food there. They're from South America. And then I would just head home and then I'd be able to chat with you and then I'd be able to work on. Actually, I wanted to work on the show. <laughs> so I get there and I just say hello to a few people. And next thing I know, I'm sitting at a table surrounded by all these people I know. And this might come as a surprise, but I was actually the one telling the stories. 
I was the life of the party. Oh, no, I'm not surprised. But I had, I'm it, not it's surprised. It's just this moment I was going, hey, really, I'm sitting at this table and people are sitting around me. It's usually me asking questions of somebody, right? And um, I was just telling stories about scouts and adventures in the river and mm -hmm. things of that nature. So it was kind of funny. That's very fun. But that would be unusual for me. I was. Did you feel drained or rejuvenated? Well, I felt rejuvenated because I was talking about me. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, in I reality, mean, right? So I and I have noticed that when you're in a group, if you are the facilitator. Yes. Then you feel comfortable when it's in someone else's hands. You're not sure. And that's where you're budgeting your time and, and right. concerned. But what I've learned to do is how to go into those environments. And I use trigger busters in order to facilitate that ability. So typically what I do in a large group, and there was, you know, it started out with 10 people. That was no big deal. By the time I, the middle of it, there was like 50 to 60 people. In the house? No, we were outside. In okay. the, and it was kind of a block party. So I ran into an old client from 17 years ago that I did the mortgage for. Oh, wow. It's up on the hill um, where Terry Defoe used to live okay. up there. Yeah. No, I know um, what just, yeah. Okay, so we were up in there, and uh, I was just running into people that I knew. Mm -hmm. But the reality was we were sitting down, and we were talking. We were just telling stories, and it was so fun to have everyone tell the different stories. I told a couple about you. They loved it. Oh, dear. Yeah, and they, they recognized that you weren't there to defend your honor. Okay. So... so we're talking about these behaviors of of what we see in ourselves and in other people and and this even the whole idea of introvert extrovert right. what do these things mean how do they play out why do we behave certain ways when we're trying to understand these aspects about ourselves and what's the difference between something like being an introvert extrovert personality versus a trait so to start with um, an introvert is who you are by birth it's kind of a fixed trait you don't train someone to be an extrovert i'm not ever going to be an extrovert but i can learn how to go into an extrovert's world and, and, and i would and i would argue i don't know if that comes straight from birth or from early environment but something gets set pretty early on well this is kind of why i wanted to have the show uh -huh. personality is the dna Traits and behaviors come from early environment, and it can come off as a personality. That's why the big five personality traits will look like behaviors. And when I did my research on emotional intelligence, I had to differentiate what is emotional intelligence versus personality. Can we touch on those big five so we know what we're talking about with this? Well, on the big five, um, there, it's called, also called the five-factor model. Mm -hmm. Um, the five factors are openness to experience, inventive, yeah. curious, versus being consistent and cautious. That's interesting because with my experiences in gifted education, these are primary to um, um, children who learn differently and exceptionally, even from giftedness to not. Now, before we go further, I'm going to argue that the big five personality traits actually lead themselves more to traits and behaviors. True. That's why emotional intelligence in the process that I go for, there are similarities. But the true definition of personality traits is not the big five, in my opinion. Right. So we'll come back to that. Okay. That's why I use the term, uh, I, I used introvert and extrovert. I mean, you're not going to train me to be like you. That doesn't make sense. But can I learn coping skills so I can be consciously competent in a large group? The answer is yes. And I think it would be really important to put out right now that that is an individual's choice. So 
when we're listening to information like this, we're automatically thinking about the person we want to fix or the person that we want to be more like ourselves. Yeah. And that can never, ever be. That is a fallacy, and you have to let that go. You can only think about what are the things I want to mold about myself or that I can make choices about myself and I cannot make that choice for my spouse or someone else. And when you do, you're in complete collusion. Yeah, then you're running down a codependent path. Yeah, so you really want to understand your identity. This is where identity becomes so critical, which we've addressed. Identity is who you believe you are at the core level. And you're going to have a two and it's a kind of a split. You're going to have your false self and your true self. Not the scope today, but that's kind of where you're going. When I'm my false self, yeah, I'm kind of maladaptive. I'm dysfunctional. But my authentic self has nothing to do with my personality. So my authentic self, and it's on my wall, and, and I t t regularly get So people, can I say that again? Your authentic self isn't necessarily driven by your introvert, extrovert. It really has nothing to do with it. I, I hope that's liberating for people listening to this. Yeah. So my authentic self for me is I am of worth. That has nothing to do with personality. Right. It has nothing to do with traits and behaviors. It has to do with the core belief that I have within my heart. So my true self. So I am of worth. My relationships are based on mutual trust and respect. I don't have to be an extrovert and I don't have to be an introvert to have a deep relationship with somebody. I classify you more on the extrovert side. I'd classify me more on the introvert side. I'd like to argue that I have a deep relationship with my bride based on mutual trust and respect. And then the last segment is, and I own my happiness, joy, and well-being. That has nothing to do with personality. Right. It has to do with who I am on the inside. I love how we're separating this out. <clears throat> and if I'm telling myself these false narratives, like I have no worth, or I'm not, I can't do that, I'm not good enough, or I can't have safe space, my behavior is going to follow that internal narrative again. Nothing to do with personality. So here's just a quick shot. I don't mean this to be a criticism at all. But when corporates, corporations do personality assessments, they're not really doing anything they can train to. What you want to address is behavior assessments, trait assessments that can be trained to. Yeah. A bully isn't an introvert or an extrovert. A bully is someone who hasn't processed trauma from an early time in their life and now has developed an internal narrative that says, I have to act this way in order to get my drugs. So that's a difference. So let me finish the big five and then let's move yeah. over to the, yeah. the four ones that really go there. So we've covered openness to experience. Then we have conscientiousness, which means one is going to be efficient and organized versus one is going to be easygoing and careless. Now, if, and we, we're going to get into it, but this is a little paradoxical. Yeah. Well, I was going to say they're very paradoxical, but this is where like perfectionism rolls in, where right. where it, it sounds really good to be super efficient, organized, but it can be driven to the point of perfectionism. Because it's not balanced with exactly. its paradox. Of being more easygoing. Right. And we're, we're jumping ahead, but really a paradox just by way of definition, so there's clarity, is... Two apparently contradictory behaviors that, in fact, are complementary. So being organized and being flexible is paradoxical. Right. I can be them both, but that isn't a personality-driven thing. And, and I would say not just organized versus careless or flexible and persistent um, 
it would be better matches, but they're in the same realm. Yeah, we want to get we want to yeah. be very specific, and let's just use Dr. Harrison's one, at least in my mind, because it's going to get too confusing. Okay. So um, we got openness to experience conscientiousness, then extroversion. There's our introvert extrovert. Right. Agreeableness, friendly versus challenging. And by the way, challenging. I wish we had more time on this one. Challenging is one of the most profound skills you can have in interpersonal relationships, the ability to question assumptions. Right. So it could feel contradictory when somebody's in dealing with a person who challenges ideas and thoughts or things that come out, but um, and it can feel unfriendly, but it brings something to the surface that if you don't have that person who's willing to challenge would never come to the surface. And the other thing that we've got there to understand is the fact that you can go too far in one way. Yeah. Okay, so let me just get this. And the fifth one. All right, and then neuroticism. And that's not, it's being sensitive or being insecure. So you can be both sensitive and secure. So I'm going to argue that the big five are closer to paradoxical traits than they are to personality traits. And this has been used for years. And I use this based on my, um, in my dissertation. But here's the classical approach. This is, in my mind's eye, this is much more of the um, personality base. I would argue the big five are much more trait based. Okay. I think previously you said personality to them, but I agree with you. I agree that these are traits that you. It's called the big five personality traits. But they are more. I'm arguing they're more trait based than they are personality based. Okay. Now, so the classical approach. So it's melancholic, phlegmatic, sanguine. Did I say that word right? Sanguine, sanguine, mm-hmm. um, and choleric, choleric, <laughs> choleric. choleric. Okay. So, and then there, and let's go over them real quick. So we understand. So those words are really confusing, yeah, right? So melancholic. They're analytical, detailed oriented, introverted, self-reliant, thoughtful, perfectionist, and can be anxious. Okay. And some people are just born that way. Now I, oh, yeah. I, I look at that and I go, but can't you be an extroverted melancholic? Because I, I argue that you could. But okay. Then we'll leave that aside. And then the phlegmatic. Oh, by the way, and they and they have fun with this. And this may or may not be accurate, but I thought yeah. it was just fun. So they they associate this with uh, the avatar. The avatar. <laughs> <laughs> so we got earth, water, air, and fire. So a melancholic would be more earth based, and Dr. Adler would be that's an avoiding. And I can't remember whose book I read that about this, about the four types of children, but earth people, like if they're avoiding, they're not going to move fast through things. Think of a rock. Yeah. They're, they're going to be kind of stuck and not move quickly through ideas. They process or it. They process and much that's slowly. And that's not a knock against their intelligence. No. And they speak slower, and that's okay. And they may not insert or assert quickly. Right. So the phlegmatic, they're... They're relaxed, peaceful, quiet, easygoing, sympathetic to others, and they hide emotions. So they're like water. There's our water. And they flow, like they'll flow through to what's going on emotionally. Yeah. So then you've got, and I don't know if I'm saying it right, sanguine, sanguine. sanguine. They're highly talkative, enthusiastic, active, social, extroverts, like crowds, easily bored, more risk-taking, charismatic. Are you seeing things that you, well, anyways, 
we attach, we associate them with air, mm -hmm. like they're Airbender. everywhere. But do you, when you look at some of these descriptions, do you see things in yourself that are in two places? Sure. And that's what I'm trying to suggest. To narrow us down into a singular box isn't really, it's, really it's not healthy. Okay, let's go to choleric. All right. They're extroverted, independent, decisive, goal-oriented, ambitious, results-oriented, natural leaders. So, And they're the fire. And they're the fire. This is our son, Scotty, right? Or Abram. So what I'd argue here is when people try to run through this idea of personality, they can't help but bring in traits and behaviors, if you've noticed that. Mm -hmm. And so the, the challenge is to accept the fact that some people are a certain way, and that certain way is not a negative or a positive. You are a certain way because of your DNA. I'm, I have red, you know, strawberry blonde, red hair. That's just the way I am. You're not going to train me to be a brunette. <laughs> but there's always hair dye. But that's not a that's no, not and a true, it's not authentic. That's exactly right. right. So I'm not authentic. I still have virgin hair from that perspective. I've never once put anything on it. Um, so the idea behind it is is we get too caught up in confusing, I think, traits and behaviors versus personality. Let people be who they are, their authentic self. The biggest challenge here is finding our authentic self. And so in the next segment, what we want to do is kind of unzip theories off of a Harrison assessment process that Dr. Harrison invented some 30 plus years ago. And we're going to take the audience through um, an assessment to understand how we can better find our true selves, one. And then two, how can we use these to start working on our traits and behaviors? Because you can train to that. Emotional intelligence can be altered. And I hope the biggest takeaway for people is that when we talk about personalities, we're really diving into that fixed mindset when we can open up this whole idea that we, yes, we have traits and behaviors and that they can be trained, retrained, and molded to become the best selves that we really want. And that's the idea. We don't, we don't want to hide behind. That's just the way I am. Exactly. Because that's really an addictive behavior, closed, fixed mindset, and you're not willing to, you're, you're scared to death to challenge your own assumptions. So thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate that. In the next segment, we're going to open up and address what's called the enjoyment performance theory and kind of unzip a little bit more of why we act the way we are. So we look forward to chatting with you then, and thanks for listening. The Medicare annual election period deadline is coming soon. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who found the key to the right coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online. I took my time and found the best Medicare Advantage plan for me at MyHealthPolicy.com. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plan, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com. And finally, Michael. I prefer face-to-face, -face, so I chose MyHealthPolicy.com and enrolled on the spot. 
Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans. Or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. MyHealthPolicy.com. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call. The Medicare annual election period deadline is almost here. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who started their search for coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online, so he started at MyHealthPolicy.com. I took my time and found the coverage I was looking for, and done. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plans, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com and done. Switched to a better plan. And Michael. I met with a local licensed insurance agent face-to-face and done. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to compare top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call.